All right, well, we're going to jump right in and get into the Word of God. Who's ready for the message today? You guys ready for that? Already have been exper- uh, exposed to some great ministry uh, this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know, unfamiliar, this is Pastor Prentice. He's our associate pastor here at New Life Church and um, a real close uh, friend of mine and uh, brother in the Lord and, uh, and a mentor to me. And so uh, he's on the, on the docket today. Uh, for God to speak through him and teach us today. So help me welcome Pastor Prentice Woods. You're good. You need me to unlock the door to the restroom, Jeremy? Got it good. The Lord, <laughs> the Lord is so good today. I was looking at the music that they were going to be doing today, and I thought, this is really a setup for the Word of God that the Lord wants to bring today. There's many things that are going on today in politics, in the world, in our country, even in churches uh, around our nation that are going on right now that is raising questions. And I want to speak on something today that I feel very strongly about uh, that I want to preach to you. I don't share. Uh, I kind of got away from sharing because sharing basically means you can add to it. (laughs) And today the Lord is wanting me to get this to you to help you and to establish you for things that are going to be taking place down the road. Is that okay? Foundational purposes uh, in regard to things you definitely need to know. I'm going to cover five points today. The first one is called the message today. I'm titled it The Centrality of Jesus Christ. Just the title of it alone uh, bears time to explain what it means in regard to Jesus Christ. Jesus always speaks of the human side of the Messiah and Christ speaks of the divine side of the Messiah. So that's why you have humanity and divinity that is in who we call Jesus Christ. Today in establishing the fact of the place and the purpose of Christ. I want to read a a scripture and I'll do my best to go pretty fast on this, so please try to keep up with me if you can. Uh, Hebrews, the first chapter, verse 1 through 3. It says this, and keep in mind that this is showing the the supremacy of who Jesus Christ is. Verse 1, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past 
to the fathers by the prophets, as in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sin, set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Christ is what I call the common denominator of all things. The very foundation, the very basics, the very structure of it. Jesus spoke of it in all of the the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I think, all of those, and said, man does not build a house upon the sand or it'll fall, but man builds it upon a rock. Because man builds it upon a rock, it will stand forever. This is metaphorical. I never never will forget when I was in the Ukraine a number of years ago. I was going across the bridge of of the river, and I saw this 10-story concrete building that was almost on, like on the waterfront and uh, in, in the city of Dnepokrovsky or something like that. And I, I saw that it was actually below the waterline and I, I asked the, the, the guy that was with me, I said, what in the world is the problem with that thing? And said it was the engineering and was very bad. They, did, they had a bad foundation. Well, there wasn't anything really wrong with the foundation. It was on what they built it upon. There was too much sand underneath that close to that river. And they built that. They put the, they put the foundation upon that. But as before they even got the buildings finished, they didn't even, they just had the frame up, you might say, of the building up. It began to start sinking. And I said, well, how tall was this building when it was initially designed? What was the designers? Said it was designed for 10 stories. And I said, and how many? So I counted it, and there were six stories. So I said, you, you telling me there's three or four stories underneath the waterline? Said, yes, because of the, the place that they put the foundation. Now, when we consider the very foundational and the very bottom denominator, say it for me, denominator, we understand, and I'm not going to give you math lessons because I'm terrible in it. I mean, at sixth grade, they told me, <laughs> no comment, man. <laughs> at sixth grade, my teacher sent home on my report card, he passed me to get me out of her class, and said, uh, Mr. Woods, I, I think it'd be best if Prentice didn't take any more uh, classes in math. And I always found that very interesting because how life changes things. And uh, but in, in regard to uh, these things, in regard to fractions, and most of the kids have to still have to learn fractions. They've not gone totally over to the metric system now, but I never will forget having to deal with, deal, deal with like uh, eight sixteenths. Now, eight sixteenths is a conversion number. That, that's not the bottom denom, denom, denominator. Thank you. I appreciate that. I need, I need help on this. Uh, uh, yeah, eight sixteen. Uh, you can turn it around and you can call it one half. Okay, because it 
it just expands. And see, that is the very thing that Christ Jesus is. He is the very foundational principle that is in regard to all things. If you go back to the very first verse that I've just read, the most powerful example of the power of a word was when uh, God actually said one word. Now there's other words with it, but he said one word, and he said, let. That is one of the most powerful words in the Hebrew language because it means by letting, he is actually creating. Uh, you know, I, I, I take it because I've, I've done some uh, a little bit of study, and uh, some of the astrophysics talk about the Big Bang Theory. How many ever heard of the Big Bang Theory? You've heard of the Big Bang Theory. You know, I never really had a problem with that. And, and yet some of the ones uh, in, in churches had a big problem with it. And I thought, all God did was say, let, bang. There's your Big Bang. <laughs> okay? And by just that one little, you put this down for school, that's great. You know, and uh, that, that was my interpretation of it. God created the very foundational principles of astrophysics. Think about that. And we sat around trying to figure out exactly did this thing come natural or did it come by some higher power? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because it did come about by some higher power, but that's not the bottom denominator. The bottom denominator, yeah, but I guarantee you, before I get through preaching today, I'm going to get that word pronounced right, okay? But the whole bottom thing is God created. Whether it was thousands of years, 10,000 years, or what, God said one word, and that word was creation. I'm not settling there, but I'm showing you a principle. All things revert to the very same core. It's like in it's like in, in in quantum physics, and you have you have, and I'm not no specialist in this area, uh, though I know Jackie thinks I am sometimes. <laughs> but don't give me that look, you know. <laughs> and, and, and you you have you have uh, you have this thing uh, called a quantum leap. Have you ever heard of that quantum leap? Quantum leaps unusual because I, I maybe get my names mixed up on this, but it's either the atom or the neutrons that is in it. They'll start spinning around, spinning around, and spinning around, and all of a sudden, at some point, some point, that one will jump from that one place over to another. That's where the creation starts coming in, even in the human body. The thing that I'm getting at here is showing you a line of thought that traces things back to the very core of what we believe. Because when God spoke, things began to happen. So the very foundational principle is this. In creation, God did it, but he gave the inheritance of everything surrounding it to maintain it 
once it was created, he gave that over to his son, Christ Jesus. Everybody following me? Hope so. This is the common denominator. So you take, I got it right. So you take it and you reduce it down as far as it goes. Yeah, I know, I surprised you. you. You take it and you reduce it down to the smallest part you can. And when there is nothing else, then you know that it's God. That's where the whole crust and whole foundation of the whole thing is. Scientists in, just over in, in, in Switzerland, uh, uh, what was it, last week, finally got the, the big collider going uh, and, and everything. Uh, they, they, they say this, uh, the astrophysicists that are, that are involved in that, they talk about something they found. And they found a place in the atom that is so far down, uh, whatever you want to call it, so minute, everything begins to change its properties and it acts in an unusual way to the point that they have called it the point of endless possibilities. <laughs> there is a place that God has that there's endless possibilities of what can take place. So this is the very God particle, if you would, the foundation that goes back when the denominator is at its lowest point. There you find God is where he started and you'll never trace it down that far. Now, God did all this creation and what did he do? He got it together in a... Uh, uh, an inheritance. And he said, I've started this thing, I've caused the planets and I've caused all this to happen by the power of my word. Now, son, Jesus, the Christ, I'm giving it to you as an inheritance. You maintain it. They'll try to call it natural laws. But it is not a natural law. It is a spiritual foundational principle that all things are based upon. Though it might be a little metaphorical, it is still the basic truth of all things. Now, the reason I do this, and I want to go to point two, because I'm, I'm, I want to make sure that I get everything done. Point two is everything is through and by Christ Jesus. Hebrews, the second chapter, verse 8. You have put all things. How many things? I'm sorry. All things in subjection under his feet. Under whose feet? Jesus. Okay. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. Okay, so you're, you're dealing with something in the past, you're dealing with something in the future. He did it, but we don't see the end results all the time. Okay? He has made everything, and God has said, I'm placing all of this responsibility in maintaining it, and I'm giving it as an inheritance to my son, the Christ the Christa, the Messiah in regard to national influence. 
to Israel. But my son will govern all things. All things come to him, all things go through him, and all things come out of him. And this is the very foundational principles we have to hold on to. Because somebody, God made it where that there is some credibility and there is a responsibility that all things have to have a common, thank you, see. All things have to have a common, you do it better than I do. Everything is through, in other words, everything is through Christ. Everything points to, you know, the old cliche that was saying all roads lead to, but all roads lead to Christ, through Christ. All natural laws have their foundational principles through what Christ's job and position is. In other words, he holds it all together. Have you, have you studied in science and you talk about the uh, Van, Hughes, uh, Van, uh, Van Allen belt that is around the planet and realize the sun's radiation comes from the planet, comes to the earth. Without that, Brother Van, <laughs> Van Allen, okay. Uh, without, without Brother Van, <laughs> without that Van Allen uh, belt that surrounds our planet, radiation from the sun would come through and that Brother Van filters it. Van, yeah. It filters it and makes it easy for us or purposely it causes us not to burn up in just a few seconds. In other words, that, that, that's what it does. And yet, scientists will tell you, and they'll try to figure out, well, did this, this just come naturally or what? Oh, for crying out loud. It come because Jesus is in control. All things go through him. He is maintaining this. He's maintaining it. If the planet was six inches closer to the sun, it would burn even that up. If we were six inches further away from the, or the orbit from the sun, we would freeze up. And they say that's something natural. No, it's not. The common denominator, thank you, Lord, is Jesus maintains all of it by the word of his power now. Come on. The second chapter, verse 10, listen to what it says here. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things. It always goes back there. Points us to there is somebody in control of all of this confusion that we seem to be. And who produced the confusion? Us trying to understand things that is not going to be understood right now because the word of God has already seen, has already seen to it. So there's things that, that he, is, uh, he is over that hasn't even been revealed yet. So we learn the position of Jesus Christ is the common denominator for all things. It goes to him, through him, and from him and that is great news because you can't depend on the government all times. Come on now. 
If you think, let me, let me just put this in there. If you think the government is going to pass a health plan that is going to take care of everything possible that you're going to have to deal with in your life, I'm not going to call you what the world would call you. I'm just going to say to you, it is a bunch of nonsense to think that even the United States government can maintain guarantees, maybe that like no other country on the earth, but cannot deal with all of the side issues of it. Therefore, we have to rely back on the very foundational principles of the way that God created things. So by doing that, do we put our trust in the government? Do we put, do we put, put our trust in the health care of a nation? Let me ask you this. Do we put our protections, our protection in the hands of our military? And I tell you that we cannot afford no matter how good our army is, no matter how successful it has been, we cannot put our trust in horses and chariots to get us through. That is the word of God. Because he already warns us, don't put your trust in the horses or chariots. In other words, don't put your trust in those things because it's going to fail. Your chariots will no longer exist after Alexander Great defeated the Persian king and empire because they nullified the chariots because of the way they handled it. Therefore, after Alexander's uh, a defeat of the Persian king, there was no more chariots built. Let me tell you something. After World War I, there was no more U.S. cavalry other than the mechanical helicopters, and that's where they call the cavalry now. So those that put their trust in the chariots found out that they were only limited in their abilities. Those that put their trust in the horses are limited because of technology that has been developed in the early part of the, of the 20th century. Therefore, if it is possible in the natural to lose trust in horses and chariots, how much more should we see that if we're going to be wise, we're not going to put our trust in that. We're not going to put our trust in NASA to prevent a meteorite from crashing upon Earth. We're not going to put our trust uh, in our Air Force uh, because it can actually be shot down. We cannot put our trust in the Navy because they can sink. But if we put our trust in Jesus Christ, he has never lost a battle. He will never lose a battle. And he is the common denominator of all things. And somebody say amen this morning. Number three, without Jesus, there would be no new way. Let me hit that again. Without Jesus, there would be no new way. Well, Pastor Brown, what are you talking about this New way. I'm glad you asked that question. Matthew, the third chapter, verse 1 through 3, before Jesus' ministry ever came into play, John the Baptist, who was his cousin, 
came out and he said this, even not knowing that his cousin was going, going, it was actually the son of the living God, the Messiah or the Christ. Matthew, the third chapter, verses one to three, John the Baptist prepares the way. And John 1, 3, 1, it says, and in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, for this is he. Man, there's so many different, there are so many different conversions and, and things that the denominator can change in regard to these scriptures here. It just blows my mind. <clears throat> okay, going on, verse 3. For this is he who spoke of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Now you have to understand, Isaiah, uh, approximately 250 years before the birth of Christ, he prophesied this or spoke this as a future prophetic word that would come to pass. Okay? So, Isaiah says this, uh, saying, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. So the fulfillment came in regard to John the Baptist. John, after his birth, when, when Mary came to, uh, was it Elizabeth? It, it, I like it, it says in there, and John, who was already named before his birth, which was uh, from, from Judaism was almost an uncommon thing. It made, it made uh, uh, Zechariah even hesitate and made God mad and he caused him to not be able to, st- to speak because he, he got upset at what God said and all the women said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Never mind. Ah, that's another Texas joke. But... Uh, but it said in there that, that, that John leaped in her womb because she even sensed, can I say, the baby even sensed the present, the presence of Jesus even in Mary at that time. So just by being around him, you can feel something take place coming in the door you have you ever opened have you ever been into a room and and you, uh, you went in and you, you sensed somebody's presence in there you, you never did that okay that's fine but uh, I have but I'm different anyway so so anyway so we see here the third point without Jesus there would be no way it's very unique here because the way is directly related with repentance. I mean, if John is coming and preparing the way of the Lord, he's already telling them, you're going to have to come by the way of repentance. Some some of you got it. Good, good. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, and John already knew who he, who he was in regard to his position at that time. So John is the one that is preparing the way of the Lord. And if he's preparing the way of the Lord, the first thing he says is repent. How unique that is. 
So without repentance, there is no new way. Je Jesus said, I don't know the scripture now, but Jesus said, I am the, the, and the, and anyone who, come on. Okay, well, you got hung up there three quarters of the way through. Okay, but he is the way. He is the truth, and he is the light. So this is the new way. It's a new way. It's something that was different. You mean we throw out the Old Testament, the Old Covenant? No, not necessarily. But then every coin has got two sides, right? Thank you. Uh, going on down to Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 19 through 24. Therefore, brethren, have boldness to enter in, to enter the holy, the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Where's the blood coming from? So it's Jesus' blood, right? That was what was shed on the cross, right? Progressively, it was when the thorns was placed upon his head. It was also when the, uh, uh, when the, when the, that deal, the scourge hit him. He lost blood then. You know, some, some physicians even say, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to believe that this is even possible because of the loss of so much blood he could not do some of the things he did. Well, let me tell you something. The blood of Jesus Christ can do a lot of things that a lot of people can't even imagine. Can I say you this? It's the place. It is the place. What was that deal in regard to the quantum leap theory? There is a place that all things act differently and all things it's impossible to figure out with the human mind. Let's go on to the fourth thing because he is the way, he's the truth of the life. Another place says no one comes to the Father except by me. Right? He said narrow is the and broad is the way to destruction. You ever think about that? Narrow is the way. You ever, you ever tried to get two people through a door at one time, especially if it's Tony and me? I mean, our natural frame doors, Tony has a hard enough time getting through the door, but you stick me there together with him, there's no way me and him together can get through that door. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. It's easier to get into destruction. Never mind. You get the point. It's easier to get into into destruction than it is to get in the way of righteousness. Okay, I'm going to do this one here. i say it again, because this is in regard to holding fast. Uh, therefore, that's uh, Hebrews 10, chapter, uh, verse 19. Uh, therefore, brother, uh, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a what new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold 
fast. You know, I was thinking of what Lori said up here in regard to there's nobody to trust. I went through that. I went through that, that phase in my life where I just totally didn't trust uh, people. It wasn't just women. It was everybody. I just had this phobia. I'd been hurt so many times that I, I had lost all hope. And driving down, the, driving down the road, God spoke to me. He said, does that include me too? And th that was a real wake-up call. And I thought, you know, Lord, I hear that scripture going in my mind. I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. Now let me tell you something. There was a time that I would deal with a lot of counseling in regard to uh, uh, marriage. And I've seen people that would, you'd never thought would have uh, not held on to their vows. Or would, that would have, yeah, you'd never believe that they uh, wouldn't hold on to their vows and be disappointed. Have you ever been disappointed in a man? Have you ever been disappointed in a wife? Have you ever been disappointed in a husband? Have you ever been disappointed in your children? Have you ever been disappointed in your boss? I'm telling you right now, there's one that you can depend upon beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus can be depended upon. Because he said this in one place, I think Paul, one of Paul's letters, he said, and casting all your cares upon him because he, as Peter, casting all your cares. Now isn't that something? Peter, who basically can't do nothing but fish, I'm sorry, apologize to all the fishermen that are in here and fishing women and wannabes and whatever I, I, I tell you I've learned through hard times difficult times that Jesus can be depended upon and if it hadn't been there in my heart that he could do that. I'd, I'd, I'd be in jail. I, I definitely would. Because there was a circumstance in my life that I wound up had to face and I was at two minutes from shooting somebody because of what was going on. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Son, he said, is your vengeance more important than mine anointing? He said, because if you go through with this, you'll lose my favor and mine anointing. I will be there for you. I will help you through. But which is more important? I got my car drove off the bar it's parking lot and I said Lord when it comes down to the common denominator I will always always trust you can I dig a little deeper here 
if my wife doesn't make it, if she dies of this big C, I will still trust you. I will still hold on to you because who else? Who else has what you have to offer? Lord, if she passes on, I will still preach healing is in your covenant. Whether I see somebody healed or not does not make it null and void. It is a heart thing. It is the common denominator of my life. Jesus is sufficient for all things. Number five, my last point. Without Jesus Christ, there is no need for a new covenant or the new testament. See, everything is dependent upon Him. Your whole belief system, everything that you stand up, everything you hope for, your past, your future is all wrapped up in Him. If it's your past, you're trusting that He will not hold it against you because you have committed it unto Him. If it's your future, you know that God said, just like He said to Jeremiah, said, I know all things. I know my plans for you. I made a covenant in Galatians 3rd chapter, verse 17. And this I say that the law, which was 430 years Later, in other words, it's 430 years before that law came into existence. God already spoke it. I like to come in the front door and go out the back door sometimes. I like to see how, how it looks both ways. Uh, which is 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should be made the promise of no effect. Now, an editorial here. There is a going philosophy where attitudes or ideas or viewpoints and values or beliefs that is and will happen increasingly in the time that we live in. The byproduct of this is the fallings and the failings of ministers due to moral failures, doctrinal revisions not based on Scripture, just as we see revisions of definitions in our own dictionaries. They're trying to redefine so many things today. Think about it. Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter and verse 20, kindly alludes to this. When your sons ask you in the times to come, saying, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? In other words, there was coming a time even in Israel, even in Israel when they were still in the wilderness. And the question came up, when that time comes, what are you going to, how are you going to define what God has done for us 
And how do, how do we show it to you? How do we define that in the eyes of God? How do you define it when God, when Moses sends in spies to the land and 10 of them comes back with the reports it's impossible and two of them comes back and says we are more than able to go up and possess the land and if you're in your 60s or 70s you sing it in Sunday school we're able to go up and take the country to possess the land of Jordan to the sea though the giants may be there our way to hinder God will give the victory Amen. Good job, Pastor Prince. Thank you. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm saying we have to watch. We cannot embellish. You know what that means? Stretch the truth or fake gospel. Anyway, uh, well, yeah. We cannot think it will stop there. It can be seen in our own so-called, our own so-called transliterations of the word, turning it into fake word and modern terminology fake word is building on sand and not on the rock classification of this is found in 2 Timothy 3rd chapter verse 1 through 5 but know this that in the last days perilous times will come for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boasters and proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy unloving, unforgiving slanderous, without self-control brutal, despisers of good, traitors uh, headstrong, all those other adjectives that are there. This is what is going to happen. And that is what happened from the letter to Timothy even before Paul even saw it in his own day. This was what was going on. It has changed very different. It might be a little like putting whipped cream on it and calling it by another name. Adultery is still adultery. Fornication is just, you know, we've tried to change around. It's one night stands and you've got all kinds of terminologies that have tried to change or to add to or to soften these kind of things. And yet God's word is clear and pl plain. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. That's the word of God to you. To the place that we have to understand the greatness of Jesus and Jesus' name, and what it is at our disposal when we are able to call upon Him and we have a confidence that He hears and He knows. This was, this was spoken of and reiterated with Gloria Gaither when she gave a recitation in the great song that back in 1973, I think, the, just the mention of His name. In a recitation, she says it this way, and I couldn't add to it or take away. The mention of his name can calm the storms, heal the broken, raise the dead at the name of Jesus. I've seen sin hardened, melted. I've seen derelicts transform lights of hope, put into the eyes of a hopeless child the name of Jesus. Hatred and bitterness has been turned into love and forgiveness. I've heard a mother softly breathe his name at the bedside of a child delirious from fever. And I've watched as the little, little body grows quiet and the fever has cooled. I've sat beside a dying saint, 
her body wrecked with pain. And in those final fleeting seconds, summoned the last ounce of strength and whispered the sweetest name of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Empires have tried to destroy it. Philosophers have tried to stamp it out. Tyrants have tried to wash it from the very face of the earth with the blood of those who claimed it. Yet, it still stands. And there shall be that final day when every voice that has ever uttered a sound, every voice of, from Adam and shall rise in one mighty course to proclaim the name of Jesus. For in that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess the name of Jesus and he is Lord. So you see, it was not merely by chance that caused an aged, that an angel one night long ago to say to a virgin maiden, his name shall be called Jesus. Oh, there is just something about that name. 1975, I was in a revival in the state of Iowa. My son was under about probably about nine months old, staying in a motel and kept feeling Jason's body getting hot. I got up and got a thermometer. Thermometer said 105 degrees. Now you have to understand there was no physician's care in those ancient days. And I knew that if something didn't happen quick, that the residue of that temperature was going to affect the brain of my son, who God had promised. I took his little body, I picked it up in my hand, and I held him up toward heaven. And I said, Jesus, 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 this is your promise to me. I pray in Jesus' name, your name, Lord, that this temperature will come down. And I rebuke the enemy that is trying to destroy him. Put him down and I held him to my chest. And I kept whispering that name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I could feel through my t-shirt his body cooling down. I didn't put him in a tub of ice, but I put him back in the hand of Jesus. I wasn't able to get him down to the emergency room, but Jesus has always got a 911. And look at it. I mean, Psalms 911, that's my 911. Jesus never had a patient come into his ER 
and didn't make it. After a little bit, took his temperature to down, took it down 15 minutes, it was down to 102. It kept on going down till it got normal. I turned around and I went into the other room and I just said, thank you, Lord, for doing what I always have depended upon you doing. Oh, Jesus, there's just something about that name. I've had pastor friends that was in Vietnam that was one of the old wars who went surrounded by the enemy on all sides, artillery shells and things were going up so, so, so much that they couldn't put their head above the rim of the foxhole that were, they were in. But it told me I got to the point I couldn't put my trust in anything else. And I'd always learned back in the times I'd gone to Sunday school or whatever you want to call it today. What, whatever it was, he remembered, if you get in trouble, you only need one thing, and you need to know that you can depend upon Jesus. He will be there no matter what problems you face. I can tell you about young ladies that were in the attempt of being raped. The only thing they said was Jesus, and the attacker ran off. I saw on Facebook, and you didn't, can anything come out of Facebook, you know, like Nazareth? Can anything come out? But I, I saw one day on there, it was like last month, and this lady, it was a jewelry store. I don't know if y'all saw it or not. I don't know who put it on there. And uh, it was a jewelry store, and this guy came in, and he was going to rob the place. He had, he had his gun, gun pointed at the, the clerk, and the clerk just stood there. And you could literally see the anointing of the Lord come upon her. And she said, in the name of Jesus, you leave right now. And he said, and, and you can hear, he said, but he said, you heard me in the name of Jesus. God dropped, put his gun down. He said, you crazy, and ran out the door at the name of Jesus. I've, t I've told you before, though, one of the ladies that grew up in my, in, my, in my dad's church, she used to tell the story about going home and, and knowing that her husband was going to beat her up because she had went to church. Said every time, and told me this, told, told me this, as a very young teenager, she said, Prentice, she said, I knew every time I would go to church, and he knew every time I went to church. And I knew that when I come home, he was going to be drunk, and he was going to slap me around. And I would wind up on the floor, getting off the floor the next morning. But Jesus was more important to me than getting a whooping from that old drunk man I married. He said, I came home that night, and there was there's Brother Brandon. I call him Brother Brandon now. There, there was Brother Brandon standing there 
with a frying pan in his hand. And Sister Brandon said, and he started it at me. And she said, I didn't know anything else to do. I knew this night was going to be different. She said, I took my old, my bony, that's what Brother Brandon said. She pointed that bony finger in my face. What do you get when you got a bony finger? And she said, in the name of Jesus, I bind you and you will not take one more step. So help me. Brother Brandon told me later on, he said, I don't, remember, I don't remember any of it. said, I remember with a frying pan in my hand, I saw that bunny finger pointing that finger at me, and I suddenly felt like I was before some giant and said, in the name of Jesus, Sister Brennan said, he fell flat on his face. And she said, I bind you and you will not move from that spot till I release you. She said, I straightened up. She said, I saw him on the floor. She said, I went in. I took my bath. I slept the best I've slept in years that night. Said, I had no doubt. Next morning I got up. Said, I went in. There was the table. And there was Big John. On the floor, face down, had not moved all that night. And she said, I release you so that you can speak only. She said, what are you going to do? And he said, Brother Brandon said, I remember saying, if you let me up, I'm going to run down to the church, give my heart to the Lord. And she said, if you don't, I don't remember exactly what else. But I do know, Brother Brandon got up off the floor. It was about eight blocks to the church. He was about so big as Mike is. Big guy. Ran down eight blocks to the church. That was in the days where you didn't lock doors. And went in, fell on the altar up front, gave his heart to the Lord. A couple of years later is when I come on the scene and got acquainted with him. He was the superintendent of, the, of, that, of that church, living for God, being a husband that, like he was supposed to be. Never touched another uh, uh, b- a bottle of anything. Never beat on his wife again. Jesus! changes those who will let him change so today all roads lead to Jesus so pastor why are you bringing this up because I have constantly seen in the last year everybody seems to not mind talking about a higher power don't mind talking about a name called God, but they don't want to have anything to do with this Jesus. God, just don't say anything about Jesus. And I'm telling you, you leave Jesus out of it, you've left everything out. Jesus is the focal point. He is the common denominator. He is the very foundational principle all things are based upon if we let him. If we don't, we're in trouble. Today I want to tell you, tell your kids, never let them go out of that house. There's times I've told Jason, 
even, even the last time, I said, son, never forget that if you get in trouble, just call on the name of Jesus and he'll always be there to help you because there's going to be times I'm not going to be able to be around. And I've got news for you contrary to what society is that parents can take care of all things. We can't anymore. We're limited on what we can do. But I'll tell you what, when they leave the house, they can know that they can depend upon Jesus. And if you instill that and drive it in like a nail, like a framing hammer on a 16-penny nail, and you drive that in, it's awful hard to get that nail out. Jesus changes things. And like Forrest Gump said, and that's all I've got to say about it.